0: Fortunately, I am out walking tonight, so no background noise from the car. The last talk brought us this far, okay? um, So, try to cover it slowly, I mean cover it succinctly. We have the the situation that iterative um, advantages grow. So if you have a slight advantage over a long time, it benefits you so then we talked about repeated or iterative random trades and oddly enough in, in random trades you don't get randomness um, you would think you would but you don't instead you get money if we're talking about money money moving to one person um, doesn't matter how well you play monopoly sometimes the money's gonna move okay so what we end up with is inequality now the assumption we make is that that inequality those of us who aren't zeroed out make the assumption that they aren't random trades okay and and so we sort of believe that somehow there's a meritocracy that that the reason poor people are poor is because they made bad trades and poor people and rich people make bad trades the fact is that consistently making bad trades will lead you to have nothing, just as much as random trades, probably much more quickly. So if you trade in the time you're supposed to be learning on playing video games, then only one in a million of you is going to get that job gaming, and the rest of you are going to have nothing. Okay, that's, that's a bad trade. You traded your time. You traded your opportunity. Um... So, so we have sort of this balance between random trades, which migrate to one person, and then we have merit based trades, which migrate to a small group. Well, I will say both migrate to a small group. So, random trades migrate to an ever decreasing number of people, and uh, meritorious trades migrate to an ever increasing, ever decreasing number. Of people and so the the, sort of the, the the discussion becomes between those two positions we accept the inequality and we then argue about whether it's a merit based system or a random based system the problem with that is that I mean obviously it's going to divide you if, if you are having a discussion on, are we going to have random-based or merit-based? If that's your discussion, it will be divided 50/50. All right? Because in any domain, 49.9 percent of the people are below average. And 49.9 percent of the people are above average and there's that I mean even that is you know, mathematically but you get my point is half and half it's gonna be 50 50 because 50 percent are below the mean and 50 percent are above the mean and one person is that average okay so if we're arguing but but the problem is that the two sides of that argument don't look the same the argument on the side of the people who get um, who, who lose everything who, who cannot participate in the system because they have they have lost everything is going to be a different argument even though it's the same issue and even though they're evenly divided their perspective is going to be predictably and vastly different so let's imagine it in a different domain. Okay, so you go to watch your hometown basketball team. The hometown basketball g- team is there, and uh, y- you have about the same number of of home um, home players as away players. And you have approximately, because you're playing the town just up the road, you have approximately the same number of home. Um, spectators as away spectators, you have this evenly divided crowd. And that night, <coughs> the officials are absolutely incompetent. Now, I am not picking on officials. I'm not saying they're particularly bad. I will tell you the worst, the worst sports referee ever was me. One time, actually, I was an umpire, not a referee. One time, I got drafted to be the umpire for, thankfully, a Christian softball league. And it is the absolute worst job I have done at anything. Okay, so, so imagine that. And it was incompetence. I did not have an opinion about which team won. I was not trying to favor one team or the other. So we're not going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about softball. Imagine you were there at that game. So there's the, the two teams, both there, and this absolutely bumbling, incompetent umpire. Both teams have the same complaint, and that is the officiating was horrible, but they have a vastly different opinion about my bias. One side is sure that I had it in for them. They, they're positive that I was, why? Because they lost. That's the evidence. They were sure that I was making calls just to hurt them. And as evidence, the fact that they lost is there. The other team says, oh, he was a horrible ref. But fortunately, he was equally horrible. And so the best team won. So, so you realize that the, their perspective is, one will say the game was fixed and the other will say the officials were incompetent. And in fact, in that game, the official was incompetent. But the game wasn't fixed. Okay, that difference is going to emerge. You can't help that. If you are discussing the question of, is this a merit-based inequality or is this a random-based inequality? the people at the top are going to say it's a merit-based inequality I worked hard and somebody on the other side will say I worked hard too and I lost everything therefore it is random if not one step beyond random and a fixed game this this may be an oppression I may be at the bottom now the problem is that if I insist on saying it is merit-based I end up saying something like this i saw the opportunities i traded at the best possible time and i consistently won and they assume that means that they tried to make good judgments and consistently lost that i won what they lost that there was a migration of riches from them to me which was partially random, which was unfortunately, they can conceive of it as being malicious. So so as I consolidated more power, then I tilted the game more towards them. Well, the problem is that the Those in favor of capitalism and free market economies have made a huge mistake. They have based their justification of the system on the merit argument. They have said, yes, the people who work hard get ahead and the people who don't work hard don't get ahead and everywhere in our economy, you can find examples of that. A lot of examples, a lot of the people who are poor traded badly particularly their time but they traded their money badly cigarettes are a horrible trade they really don't get you much I mean maybe there is the nicotine calms you down so you don't get super irritated at your kids but it's more than made up for by the time when you're craving the nicotine because you forgot to get enough cigarettes to get you through the weekend okay so The argument that this in some way is a good trade is hard to make and so a lot of people traded away a lot of their prosperity on on that trade and someone could say well that's a bad trade so you definitely can argue the merit based argument you could say the people who are rich deserve to be rich because they made profitable trades and the people who are poor deserve to be poor because they made bad trades but in that mix, absolutely, there are instances which bring that into question. And you will endlessly argue about the, the number of them. So somebody can say, look at this person. He's not addicted. He's, he's not making bad choices. But he never had enough to really start with. And you could look and say, well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Or you could say, look at the games are all tilted towards the intelligence. This person isn't intelligent. You are. You succeeded not because you made good trades, but because you could make good trades. And because of his intelligence, he couldn't make good trades. So, yes, your argument might be that you made good trades, but you couldn't make good trades. And so this this argument devolves into always a 50-50 split. How do we stave off that 50-50 split? Because we're stuck in that 50-50 split right now, politically. Well, one of the things that we have to do is that we have to return to the absolute unswerving explanation that it is only when we fully become individuals that we can engage in free trade in such a way that everybody gets more of what they want they may not get all of what they want neither side should get all of what they want but each side should get more of what they want and if they're in a bad trading partner they should find another one that is why it is free enterprise and what we want to do to get the utopian free enterprise solution is we want people to see themselves as an individual first well what's happening now well we have the politics of all of these groups so so this this victim group gathers and says well we are victims and we are united and monolithic as victims well the problem is that if you have a group of people who you say this is my group, and you claim that they have the same values? Then the only way that you can divide up resources within that group is by an even division, right? If everyone wants the hot dogs, so you got a you got a meal, and somebody make I like hot dogs better than hamburgers, so somebody makes a meal, it says I put hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill. There are ten hot dogs and ten hamburgers. And there's 12 people. Should not be a problem, right? Except that this group of 12 says, we like hot dogs. Well, the only thing we can do is either give two people what they don't want or divide up the total of hot dogs and get a, give everyone 10 twelfths of a hot dog. Uh, five, sixths for those of you who are working fractions. Well, that really sucks. Particularly since there's a whole bunch of hamburgers sitting there uneaten. So what's ideal is if nobody says, well, this is what I want because my allegiance to the group is more important than my personal tastes. That's a recipe for this, this even division of everything. We will all be caught in this. There won't be a group identity. There will be all fractionated divisions because we all want the same thing. But if we highlight our individuality and we give everybody permission to say, well, just, just decide. There's not a right answer. Purple hatted people can like hot dogs or hamburgers and the people wearing green hats can like hot dogs or hamburgers. That would be great. But in as much as you say, no, purple hatted people like hot dogs, well, well then, then then the hot dogs and only the hot dogs have to be divided evenly or unevenly but it's an amazing thing that we when we lay down our identity politics and pick up our individuality that we really can fundamentally find people who correspond with us the stupidest nursery rhyme illustrates this. Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. So between the two of them, they licked the platter clean. I don't know what it was talking about, but I will tell you that it is. I mean, maybe it was meant as a as a memory aid to say, you've got to find yourself the person who compliments you. And it's more important that you differ because of the economics. I was I was just on the phone with somebody talking about looking for a wife. He has a very carefully defined group of interests. And it's pretty easy for him to imagine that he would like a a woman who shares that defined group of interests. And that may be, maybe the pleasure he would get doing the things he really likes with her would, would be enough to outweigh the fact. But the fact is, That if you have values that stack up perfectly you end up having to split everything evenly but if you are an individual then if you have those things where your values differ that's where you can make a trade that isn't an even division but an advantageous trade to each person In relationship advice, if I were to give it, if you were to ask, I would say you probably want to have two or three things where you share values. There should be times where you both want to do the same things. But it ought to branch out from there into things in which you can complement each other. The one is the anchor. It doesn't give you a great return because you have to divide the... Uh, I mean, whatever it is. You both love, um, what's something that's hard to get? Um, Nothing in our society. Everything is there. But imagine, uh, you both love hand-picked wild blackberries. Okay, well then when you get to the blackberry bush, you share that. You know, that's a unique thing. You don't get to do it every day. But when you do, you both both sacrifice half of what you could have had but you share a moment but in the other parts of your life it might be really useful if you don't both like the same things you know if you raise kids and some like doing the dishes and some like drying that's perfect then I mean both would rather do nothing well that's that's normal they're kids but it's really cool when when they like different things. I'll give you an example. In my family, I have a son who wanted to get his task and get it done. And he would do larger jobs if they were dependent only upon him. Well, the other kids liked the, the, the fellowship that happened. They would, do, they would do... They were willing to take the jobs that required being together um, So he would say I'll go up and clean the living room if you guys will do the dishes and he liked that because even though cleaning the living room was probably the harder job it was a job that that relied entirely upon him he could do it and if it took a long time it was his fault and he liked that better than being down doing dishes which was easier but if it was taking a long time it could be the other guy's fault so that difference of value led to a, a, a trade that was complimentary. We have allowed. Socialists. Now I, I am puzzled by this. I don't know which came first. The, the chicken or the egg. I, I don't know which came first. The the socialist. Um, theory. Or the power theory. That rides piggyback with socialism. But. The socialists very quickly recognized that they had to make your identity homogenous. In order to, to get socialism, you had to say your most important identity is as the oppressed. And, and the people, that's an easy sell. Tell people life isn't fair and you're the butt of its unfairness along with all these other people. But the result is, boom, you you look at that and you say, well, let's correct the unfairness, not realizing that you will all get the same amount, but it will all be far less. You all get 10 twelfths of a hot dog, whereas you could have had a whole hamburger. And so socialism very quickly said, all right, we have to break you into identity groups. I think it was, I mean... My perception is is skewed by what I think is true. I suspect, though, I worry that it was about not about getting the socialist ideal, but about getting power. However, that is. We have to change the argument away from merit based or luck based to the idea of the power of the individual. The freedom of the individual to say, I happen to like hamburgers, which is a pretty good deal for me because I get two. Right? The two people who say, I don't care for hot dogs, get two hamburgers. Maybe three, maybe four, right? So ten people can have a hot dog and two people can have five hamburgers. Well, you know what? Maybe I like hot dogs too, but maybe five hamburgers is a good enough reason to find out that I might like hamburgers I'm gonna have to go through this and listen because it's cold out and I Have a drippy nose tonight So I might miss a few drips You won't hear the drips. You'll hear me breathing in Um, but You're just gonna have to put up with the ones that I miss Because I love to be out here walking Okay, so that is that is the first response that we need to have to socialism. Is we need to change the argument. Otherwise, if we allow this argument that is merit or luck, or merit or oppression, if we even enter into that argument, we, we will get a 50-50 split. But as each year goes on, that 50-50 will get closer and closer. We will become polarized. More than we are. It's hard to believe. But we will. We can't help it. We have to change the argument back to an argument of individuality. Now, that is not enough. It would help, but it is not enough. We also have to recognize that merit-based trades tend towards accumulation of wealth with a small number. But random-based trades do the same thing. We also have to recognize that a game which ends when the winner gets to a certain place gets a lot more engagement than a game that is played until everyone but one has lost. So I was with my grandkids. I have kids who like Monopoly. I don't know that I've ever seen a Monopoly game finish. Maybe it's because I don't care. Maybe it's because I make bad trades. But what happens is that after a half an hour, I'm broke. And I suppose if I played enough once in a while after half an hour, I would have lots of money and, and randomly would go on. But after half an hour I'm broke and I sit and watch for a few minutes go get something to eat and drink and come and hover around the board but by the time the last two people are battling it out I'm gone this game is no fun now when I was down visiting my grandkids I they had worn out their sorry game that's a good kid right you know not that they'd worn out their. Their phone, but they'd worn out their sorry game. Okay, so they'd worn out their sorry game. Good for them. Bottom them a new one. We played sorry. And we get to the end, and there's a winner. And the, sometimes the other grandkids are like, well, let's play for second place, because I want to be a winner too. And I was like, no, let's redeal. You want to play again? Let's redeal. Why? Well, because if we play for second place, the winner becomes unengaged. You, you, you cannot have a game where gradually everybody becomes unengaged. Imagine that we said that, OK, we're going to play sorry until everyone has won. So the first place winner, he wins and he steps out and he goes and gets some to eat, some to drink. And the second place and he does, he drops out, they're bored. They're sitting. well, pretty soon, what are they going to do? They're going to start their own game, some other game, which isn't a bad thing. But in terms of sorry, it is we're down to the last two people. And then he wants and wins. And then imagine the fourth kid says, well, I want to win, too. So we let this kid play alone, just rolling the dice and moving. But sometimes it takes a long time. Winning and losing is not the issue. Playing is it's a game. Combat winning and losing matters, but in games, playing the game is what matters. Winning and losing are part of a drama that you put on so that you give your best in the game. So I play Scrabble. And while I'm in the middle of that Scrabble game, my little number at the bottom of my stack is at war with your little number at the bottom of your stack. And I feel like, Oh no, your number is going to kill my number. And so I fight like everything. I get as creative as I can so that my number grows. And in the moment, I am thinking of words that I haven't thought of for a long time because I don't want my number to die. But then I finish. I step out of the game and I say, well, that doesn't really matter. What does matter? What matters is that I played the game in such a way that the people who are playing want to play with me again. And so what has happened as we have look at iterative trades, as playing a game, trading back and forth, is that there has to be a way to end the game when one person wins and then redeal. And you know what? I think that even if we allowed them to keep their winnings, it wouldn't be such a bad deal. Most people would go along with that. You keep your winnings and then we redeal. Which would be kind of a a, a compromise. But we do redeal. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have any way to enact this, but it's almost almost a picture of like set the set the goal, a million dollars. Okay. When we get to a million dollars, then you keep your I mean a billion, I don't care. You get a billion dollars and then boom, you get to keep your billion. But then we divvy up everything and start again. I don't know any way to do that. But you get the point is that we have a game in which people, once they drop out, they lose interest. And you're saying, well, nobody's dropping out. I will tell you, yes, they are. I'm going to talk about that next. I'm going to talk about dropping out of the economic system. Um, Don't know when I'll talk about it. Hopefully it'll be on a walk so you don't have the car noise, but then you got the snuffling noise. So I don't know which is better, but that's where we're gonna start is how people are checking out of the game and what they do once they have checked out of the game. And then I want to propose an ancient solution to the problem of people checking out. And uh, it's one of the most positive thoughts I have considered in in the last months. I'm really excited about it. I'm anxious to share it with you. So that's coming next. I'm back. And Jingo's here to greet me. Hey. And I'm ready to drop my pack and uh, go take care of some other stuff. You have a good day, evening, wherever you are. Bye.